At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hi, everyone. Just a quick message to thank our Patreons. This show is a one-man operation, and sometimes the costs of running the show make me wonder whether it's worthwhile. You guys answer that question for me. Our Patreons not only receive the episodes earlier than everyone on the standard feed, they also get extra episodes in the break in between seasons. I, like you, support the shows I listen to through Patreon. However, some people have asked if there's an alternate way that they can support the show. So, I'm glad to announce that if you're willing to support the content you listen to, you can go and buy me a coffee. It's a new website which allows you to make a one-time donation. And you can find the link for that along with our Patreon link in the show notes. Again, thank you to all of our supporters. You really do allow the show to continue. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal season three. Welcome back. It's time for Season 3 of The Dark Paranormal. And as our seasons flip, we once again land on listener stories. Over the next 10 episodes, I'll be sharing with you some of the most terrifying and chilling stories that have been sent in by you, the listener. As we seem to be getting new listeners all the time, I thought it best just to reiterate what this show is all about. The Dark Paranormal is a show where we ask you to leave your disbelief at the door. We ask you to go to that place that you went to as a child in your mind, where you gave credence to the paranormal, to the unknown. Your eyes were a bit more open and you trusted your gut a lot more. We don't expect to change anyone's belief system on these shows, but we do expect you to question your beliefs. Because you'll find out over the next 10 episodes that these things exist, these things are real, and these things can change your life, for better or for worse. Today's paranormal experience comes in from T.I. Shippers, T.I. is someone who's experienced so much paranormal activity that she's written books about her own personal terrors. You may well notice that the grammar and language in this story sound extremely professional. And that's because today's story comes direct from T.I.'s new book about her experiences. But before we get to T.I.'s story, a quick thank you to our Patreons for the month of May. Thank you to Melissa Peach, to Demi Louise Clark, to Peter Wood, to Melanie Leavers, and to Scott Witchman. 
As we said at the start of the show, links for the Patreon and coffee can be found in the show notes. And so, without further ado, leave your disbelief at the door and join me in the dark paranormal. The house loomed dark and massive before me. Darkened windows caught the reflection of the headlights as we approached the home where I would spend the evening babysitting. I'd never worked for this family before. My godmother, Patricia Ann, for whom I frequently babysat, had recommended me to this family, who had recently moved to an affluent neighbourhood with many old and opulent houses and several towns away from where I lived. When Mr. Wright arrived to pick me up, he came inside to introduce himself to my family and to leave contact information since we didn't know him. Now, although he seemed friendly enough, I felt surprisingly nervous. He made small talk, asking questions about my interests and school during the 20-minute drive to his home and my post. I learned that he worked with Patricia Ann's husband as an attorney and that he and his wife had one child, an 18-month-old little boy whom he obviously adored. I began to relax, enjoying the easy conversation. Then we turned off the side street past the dim light posts at the end of his driveway. The only sign of life came from a small light above the front door on the porch. I noticed with some trepidation that no interior lights shone through the windows on the front of the house. This is it, said Mr. Wright, turning the key in the ignition of his new model luxury car. Home sweet home. My anxiety escalated as I noticed the significant distance between the houses beyond their expansive yard. Mr. Wright opened my car door and I stepped out into the cool night air. I looked up at all the darkened windows, trying not to reveal my trepidation. Come on, he said. I'll introduce you to the wife. He flipped on a light in the front foyer. The moment I stepped over the threshold, I recognised that all-too-familiar, heart-dropping feeling of something else being in that house. I swallowed hard as I followed him inside, closing the heavy door behind me. My senses peaked as I quickly glanced around. To my left, I noticed a wide staircase that turned and disappeared around a broad landing. Beyond the staircase lay a beautifully decorated parlour, lit only by the light from the foyer's ceiling. We turned right and made our way through an enormous darkened formal dining room with a long table surrounded by chairs, sideboards and tall china cabinets. The deep red rug and darkly stained wood seemed to absorb any light that fell in from the front entry. On the far end of the dining room we came to a heavy wooden swinging door that led to a sure passage into the lit kitchen. There's my beautiful bride, 
he kissed his wife affectionately on the cheek. Meet our ace babysitter. Then turning to me, he said, This is Mrs. Wright. Mrs. Wright wore a beautiful champagne-coloured satin cocktail dress. Her high heels matched her dress perfectly. Glistening diamond earrings with a matching necklace accentuated her perfect blonde hair and pretty, meticulously made-up face. She smiled warmly as we shook hands. You're in for a pretty easy night, she declared. The baby's already asleep and he never wakes up once he's down. Famous last words, I thought, still sensing the presence of something other than the rights in the house. Come with me, I'll show you to the nursery. I followed her through the door and into the den lined with shelves of leather-bound books, accentuated by tasteful vases and classical statues. Those side lamps beside the sofa and on a table between the pair of overstuffed chairs lit the room. The dark woodwork and area rug made it appear shrouded in shadow. Mrs. Wright led me to a long, narrow staircase behind a heavy wooden door at the far side of the den. She turned to me, put a finger to her lips. "'Shh,' she whispered. "'The nursery is right up there.' A stab of panic pierced my chest as she began to ascend the stairs. Mustering all of my courage, I followed close behind. The staircase had no light of its own. The only light came from the room below, and the light in the hall at the top of the stairs. Reaching out my arms, I easily touched both walls without stretching. I felt claustrophobic and anxious, sensing whomever or whatever shared the house with the Wright family was mere inches from my back as we climbed the many stairs far too slowly. I wished Mrs. Wright would move faster so I could finally escape the space as my panic grew. When we finally reached the last step, I noticed another door at the top of the stairs. Who builds a staircase with a door at each end and with no light of its own? I thought incredulously. Mrs. Wright quietly opened a door to our right. Here's my little angel, she whispered. You'll find diapers and a change of pyjamas on the changing table if you need them, which I'm sure you won't. The baby lay sleeping peacefully in his crib, with his bottom in the air. A colourful mobile dangled above him. I noticed a white rocking chair, a dresser, and a shelf filled with stuffed toys. Mrs. Wright motioned for me to exit quietly. Once through the door, she pulled it, leaving it slightly ajar. I'll just leave this open a little so you can hear him if he starts to stare, she whispered. You should keep the stairwell doors open too, so you can hear him. Mrs. Wright headed back down the stairs. Before entering the staircase, I paused momentarily noticing several closed doors lining a long hallway. I assumed the stairway I had seen when I entered the house lay somewhere in the dark towards the end of it. The hair on my neck stood on end, and I shuddered. Then, as quickly as my legs would allow, 
I followed her back to the main floor. Instructing me to help myself, Mrs. Wright showed me where to find snacks and soda in the kitchen. Then she wrote a number where I could reach them in case of an emergency and placed it next to the phone. Make yourself a home, she said, slipping into her coat her husband held out for her. We should be back close to midnight. After hearing the front door close and lock and the car drive off, I returned to the den. I decided that I should watch TV to distract myself from the extremely uncomfortable feeling that told me something loomed nearby. My discomfort escalated when I discovered no TV in the den. I didn't even find a radio there or in the kitchen to fill the charged atmosphere with sound. Everybody had a TV by 1970. I wondered if they had a separate TV room in that expansive house. Remembering the uneasy feeling I had upon arrival, and the fact the only lights burning in the house were in the kitchen, den and the hallway upstairs, I decided not to search. Instead, I found a bottle of Coke in the refrigerator, opened it, then settled on the most comfortable-looking couch in the den and pulled out one of my books. The silence grew increasingly distracting. I rarely, if ever, experienced silence in my world. I found it easier to concentrate in the midst of my big, noisy family than in this dark, ominous, old house. So I began to hum. Bang! I jumped to my feet with tears stinging my eyes and my heart racing. What was that? I said that out loud to no one. I stood frozen, listening for the sound of the baby, certain that such an abrupt sound surely must have woken him. I heard nothing. My sense of responsibility propelled me to investigate the source of the bang. It sounded as if it came from upstairs. I set my books down on the couch and gingerly made my way to the bottom of the stairs. Looking up, I discovered that the door at the top of the stairs had slammed closed. My heart dropped. I stood with my hand covering my mouth for several minutes debating in my mind about whether I should climb those stairs to open the door and check on the baby, or not. At last I took a deep breath, fixed my eyes on the silver light shining through the crack at the bottom of the door, and made my way up as quickly as my painful, damaged legs could carry me. I tried to push the horrific thought of becoming trapped in that stairwell to the back of my mind though I could not ignore the terrible flutter in my gut and the hair raised on my neck and arms. I began to question if the door would even open in my hand when I reached it, or if I was entering a trap. The door opened easily without even a squeak. I pushed it all the way open against the wall and crept into the nursery. Opening the door, I saw the baby clearly undisturbed by the sound. I looked around the darkened room, making sure everything remained in its place. Moving silently to the crib, 
I placed my hand just above his tiny back to feel his warmth and to take note of his steady breathing. Part of me felt relieved that he'd not woken, but another part wished he had, so I'd at least have some human company and something to do other than stress about slamming doors or the growing reality that something unseen wanted to get my attention. Remembering my mother's wise counsel to never wake a sleeping baby, I turned from the crib and quietly exited the nursery. With my senses peaked, I closed the nursery door over, leaving it a few inches open, and then turned toward the long, upstairs hallway. My stomach lurched as I took in every closed door that lined it. I felt a strong sensation that somebody lurked behind one of those doors. I listened acutely for any sound or movement concealed behind them, wondering if, perhaps, someone else remained in the house. My mind raced with thoughts of a creepy grandpa or uncle hidden in one of those rooms. I quickly dispatched that thought, realising that Mr and Mrs Wright certainly would have told me if someone else was living there. Turning toward the stairwell, I gasped, grabbing the doorframe as my knees buckled. The door at the bottom of the stairs was now closed tightly. I had not heard it close. I'd made sure it was fully open before I came upstairs. The thought of re-entering that stairwell with doors that closed on their own at the top and bottom made me feel like I might throw up. I looked anxiously down the hall and back towards the nursery, trying to figure out the best way to proceed. I needed a way to secure the upstairs door so that it couldn't possibly close either whilst I was in the stairwell or after I returned to the first floor. Noticing a long hall runner, I decided to use it to prop the door open. Grabbing the edge with both hands, I struggled to pull the heavy rug toward the end of the hall and the stairwell door. There, I folded over the end, creating a barrier beyond which the door could not possibly swing on its own. Feeling confident that the door would not slam shut, I made my way back downstairs. Walking downstairs on my arthritic legs posed a greater difficulty for me than walking up. Each step sent shooting pain through my knees. Again, I prayed that the downstairs door would open without incident when I reached it. Fortunately, it did. Relieved, I returned to my books on the couch. My hands trembled as I picked up my workbook and pencil to return to my studies. I rationalised the doors closing by telling myself that maybe someone hung them wrong, or that perhaps the old floor was uneven, causing gravity to allow the doors to swing shut on their own. I took a deep breath and tried to attend to the pages of my book. The silence grew more overwhelming and oppressive, and I found it impossible to focus. I finished my coke and made my way to the kitchen to deposit the empty bottle, and grab a second coke, along with a little snack. Looking at the kitchen clock, I realised that I'd been there just over an hour. I had nearly three more hours to endure. The pop and hiss from the coke bottle as I opened it brought a welcome relief from the silence. I grabbed a bag of potato chips and pulled it open with a deliberately boisterous rustle. 
Leaning against the counter, I took a few chips from the bag and put them in my mouth, allowing the crunch to fill my ears. Then I took a long swig of the fizzy pop, following it up with an audible ah that ended in a long surprising burp. Chuckling to myself, I made my way back to the den with chips and pop in hand. Freezing in my tracks and nearly dropping both when I saw that the stairwell door was once again closed. This is ridiculous, I thought. This is just insane. I knew I had to open the door. I also now began to realise that something did this intentionally. Something unseen taunting me. I wanted to call mum, but what would I say? And what could she do? What could I do? Nothing. Nothing at all. Looking around the room, I noticed a heavy wooden chair. I set my chips and coke on the coffee table and dragged the chair over to the stairwell door. Dread rushed over my body as I turned the door handle. Too frightened for what I might see behind the door, I looked away, quickly swinging it open. To my relief, when I turned back towards the stairs, I saw nothing otherworldly or frightening. I pushed the door against the wall and secured the sturdy chair in front of it, standing at the bottom of the stairs, looking up to the brightly lit hallway upstairs. I listened for the sound of the baby, but only heard silence once more. Fully shaken, I returned to the couch. I kept my eyes trained on the open door as I put the Coke bottle to my lips and drank. I tried to think of something else, knowing that I had secured each door in place, but my focus remained fixed on the stairwell and the tiny sleeping child at the top of it. I began to whisper familiar prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. No, I thought, not that one. I don't want to think about the hour of anybody's death right now. That thought made me chuckle. I needed to stop working myself up. I had to ignore my vivid imagination and focus on my babysitting job. This is just a big, dark, creepy house. I'm making all this up, I said to the open door and the empty room, and bang! Jumping to my feet, I felt my heart leaping to my chest. Holy Mary, Holy Mary, Holy Mary, I repeated as I cautiously crossed the room toward the stairwell, dreading what I might find. No, 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 I said, shaking my head. No, no, this is not happening. The upstairs door was shut. I wanted to run. I wanted to just leave the door closed. The baby had not stirred despite everything that had transpired so far that evening. Mrs. Wright said he never woke up once down. Maybe I could just leave it be. But she had specifically instructed me to keep the doors open. Then I heard him. Small whimpers came from behind the closed door above. I rubbed my face frantically with my open hands, listening, hoping that he would settle down without me. But then I began to wonder whether whatever taunted me 
had disturbed the helpless baby as well. I contemplated the real possibility that something unseen was using the baby to lure me back upstairs to the stairwell. Though it terrified me, my protective sense of responsibility outweighed my fear. Jostling the chair blocking the downstairs door to make sure it held fast, I mustered every ounce of courage and began climbing the stairs towards the closed door at the top, listening to the muffled sounds of a staring baby behind it. Any comfort from attributing the evening's disturbances to my vivid imagination dissolved in terror as I opened the door to find the heavy hall runner back in its original place down the hallway. I clenched my teeth, pursed my lips, and steeled my resolve. My breath came short and fast as I entered the nursery, leaving the door open behind me to allow the hall light to fill the room. The baby stirred in his sleep. I leant over the edge of the crib and placed a firm but gentle hand on his back, humming a repetitive tune soft and low. Feeling his little warm body gave me some comfort. I was not alone. I had this tiny sleeping person there with me. My charge. My responsibility. Before long, he settled back down, breathing peacefully. From the crib, I could see that the stairwell door remained open. I gently lifted my hand from the baby's back and tiptoed out of the door, closing it over behind me. I hated this place. I wanted to leave and sit out on the front steps until Mr. and Mrs. Wright returned. I didn't want to stay another minute. Hello? I called softly down the hall. I looked down at the rug, then up at the many closed doors down the hall with shadows growing deeper the further I looked. Hello? I repeated, but nothing answered. Then I turned towards the stairwell door and made my way to the top of the stairs. My whole body shook and I nearly burst into tears when I saw that once again the door at the bottom of the stairs was closed. Gravity could not have moved that heavy chair that I placed to prop it open. Something lurked in this dark place and that something had its sight set on me. My terror turned to tenacity. I needed to protect both myself and the little helpless baby in the room behind me. I was done playing. I returned to the nursery. Leaning over the sleeping child, I whispered, I've got this. Nothing will come in here tonight. I moved the rocking chair to the centre of the room, facing it squarely towards the door, sat down and began to rock deliberately and rhythmically back and forth. I focused on the energy contained just under my skin, and with each rock forward I exhaled, pushing my energy from the place just above my navel out towards the nursery door. As I rocked back, I calmly inhaled, making sure that I did not draw my energy back inside myself. After several minutes focusing on my breath, I created a large balloon made of my own protective energy designed to hold anything that dared to attempt to enter in any way at bay. I called on my guardian angel to stand guard with me. I held that energy in place for hours until I heard the sound of footsteps downstairs. Sitting upright at attention, I heard the sound of the stairwell door opening. I held my breath and listened acutely for whatever came next. Hello? Mrs. Wright called out softly as she climbed the stairs. My back and neck 
ached as I exhaled, finally releasing the energetic barrier that I'd held for so long. I met her at the top of the stairs. Is everything okay? She whispered. I nodded, motioning for us to go downstairs. The doors would not stay open, I told her. Both doors kept closing even after I blocked them with a chair or with a rug. Does that happen? Mrs. Wright looked puzzled. I I don't know, she said flatly. Well, I went on. I couldn't keep them open, and I wasn't sure I would hear the baby if he woke up, so I decided to just spend the evening in the rocking chair in his room. You are such a dear, she smiled. Now I see why Patricia Ann told me you were the best babysitter ever. Thank you. I wanted to tell her about my terrifying ordeal and ask her if she knew her house was haunted. But mostly, I just wanted to leave. So I simply smiled sheepishly and thanked her. She opened her pocketbook and took out a $20 bill. I charged 75 cents an hour. I didn't reach for the bill. No one had ever paid me that much for any babysitting job. Seeing the shock in my face, she said, Here, take it. You earned it. Thank you so much. Mrs. Wright walked me through the dark house to the front door where I saw Mr. Wright waiting in the warm car to take me home. She waved as I got in, saying, Thank you. I'll call you again. My body felt stiff with exhaustion from exerting such massive amounts of protective energy for so long in that perilous house. How did it go? asked Mr. Wright. Swinging onto the main street I looked at him His face glowed in the dim light of the dashboard As he put his blinkers on and slowed for a red light Stopping, he faced me, smiling Do the doors in your house close on their own? I asked What? What do you mean? The doors, the stairwell doors Do they close on their own? The light turned green Mr. Wright focused back on the road. I I don't think so. I haven't noticed anything. Why, did, did you have trouble with the doors? Never mind, I said, facing the side window to watch the trees and houses fly by. Reaching home at last, he asked if his wife had paid me. Yes, and very well, thank you. Before closing the door, I leaned down and said, You know, you should check them. He looked puzzled. The doors, I mean. Maybe the hinges are loose or something. Good night, he said, looking confused. Good night, I replied, then hurried up the walk to my front door, relieved beyond measure for the end of my ordeal and my own peaceful house. When Mrs. Wright called the next week, I told her I already had a job, which was true. But the next time she called, I told her that I had booked a regular babysitting job every weekend. I gave her the name of a couple of my older sister's friends from school who lived closer to the Wrights, who also babysat. Hanging up, I hoped those girls might not notice the otherworldly energy that inhabited that frightening house and enjoy an easy babysitting job. I, however, have no intention of setting foot in that place ever again for the rest of my life. A big thank you to T.I. for sending in one of her experiences from her new book in progress. 
Once you've released it, T.I., you'll have to let us know the title so we can get all of the guys to check it out. A fascinating experience there, one which contained either poltergeist activity or some malevolent force keen to play tricks on T.I. Like any good experience story, a lot more questions throw themselves up. What was in that house? It was like poltergeist activity... Or was it something simply trying to play tricks with T.I.? Or even worse, was it something trying to get to the baby? T.I.'s descriptions of long, dark corridors with rooms coming off either side and doors opening and closing of their own accord is the stuff taken direct from nightmares. It's also interesting how the rites themselves couldn't pick up on that energy within the house. Or could they? For someone who was on 75 cents an hour, a $20 payment at the time, also being told, you've earned it. All coupled together to say, maybe Mrs. Wright knew more than she was letting on. Either way, thank you so much, T.I., for sending your story in. Listeners, don't forget, Season 3 is Listener Stories. If you're sitting on a story which you believe would warrant coming on the dark paranormal, then send it in to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. Once again, if you're a regular listener to the show and you're willing to contribute towards its upkeep, you can find both Patreon links and Buy Me A Coffee links in the show notes. Anything you can do is much appreciated. So that wraps up Episode 1 of Season 3. As ever, thank you for choosing to spend your time with this show. And until next time, Don't forget to leave your disbelief at the door. And I'll speak to you next week on The Dark Paranormal. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.